The Holy Gospel for this day is from Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. Jesus tells a parable about a son who ponders his father's love only after he has spurned it. The grace he receives is beyond his hopes. That same grace is a crisis for an older brother who believed it was his obedience that earned his place in the father's home. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be one of the citizens of that, to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare, and to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat, so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace to all of you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Most holy God, we thank you for this most beautiful, quiet, contemplative morning. This holy moment in our week that grounds the week ahead. That gives us strength to be your voice and your hands to all whom we meet. We ask your blessing upon us now. 
that we might be open to your spirit, revealed through your word proclaimed, and literally in the bread and wine of communion, we take you to ourselves, and you become united with us. We pray this in your holy and most blessed name. Amen. The classic interpretation of the prodigal son story goes something like this. The younger son comes to his father and demands of his father that he receive his inheritance ahead of time. And for some reason, the father is very generous, maybe even indulgent, and says, yes, okay, I will give you half of the in your inheritance now before I'm gone. I don't know how many of you would do that, but it seems a little generous on the part of that father. The son, the younger son, then takes that money, goes off to a distant land where he spends the money in what's called dissolute living, sin and debauchery. That's the classic interpretation anyway. The classic interpretation is that this son is the bad son and that he is so bad that he ends up bottoming out sitting in a pigsty, at least that's what I remember from Sunday school. When we were taught this lesson in Sunday school, I still remember a picture drawing that we were to color in. And the picture was of the prodigal son sitting cross-legged in the mud with his head in his hands, with the saddest look possible on his face, surrounded by the pigs. It's, am it's amazing what you remember from second grade. And that sticks with me forever that this man sitting in the pigsty has bottomed out. And then he repents of his evil ways, returns to his father, and before the younger son can say anything at all, the father came running to him, embraced him, and forgave him before he even asked for forgiveness. A big celebration follows. The elder son, of course, um, is resentful, but the younger son is received with open arms. Hence, the sermon title would have something to do with sin and repentance. The traditional, the classic understanding of this prodigal son story is on the fact that we are like the prodigal son at times and that God is very gracious and generous and sometimes people say this is the story of the prodigal father, not the prodigal son. Prodigal in the sense of overwhelming grace. So, we could have the sin and forgiveness sermon today. I mean, I look back in my files, and most of them are that, prodigal son sermons, sin and forgiveness. And heaven knows, we have, all of us, and in this world, enough sin and enough need of repentance that we could preach that sermon time and time and day by day. However, Bible stories have different angles and different messages that can come to us. And I suggest to us today that we take a look at this story from a little bit different angle. An angle that focuses on the younger son not so much as an evil person, but simply as someone who is desiring to experience the good life. The good life. He wants to live the good life, and he thinks that the good life will be found if he has enough money. It's not so much that he's evil, at least in this interpretation, 
is the fact that he wants to be happy. He wants to have joy in his life. And so he thinks to get that, you have enough that you can indulge yourself. You can wear the fanciest clothes, you can wear jewelry, you can have the nicest apartment, then I'll be happy. Now, if we interpret it that way, the title, Searching for the Good Life, we all might identify with that as well as the first sermon. Because implicit in our own society and in all of our lives is this idea that if we're happy or we will be happy when we have enough to spend and to indulge ourselves. That's the good life. Back in the 1980s, there was a a TV show called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with who? Robin Leach. Yeah, all the people with gray hair. Well, you don't have gray hair, but... It's, it's a while ago, but Robin Leach had this distinctive voice. And when you heard his voice, all of a sudden you knew what the program was going to be about. The program was going to be about some famous or rich person and the lifestyle that they were living. And he would take the camera and he would follow them around. And it looked so fun and implicit to the TV show, of course, was the idea that, wow, they have the good life. And if only we were rich and famous, then we would be happy too. Which is exactly what the younger son thought until he came to realize that that idea of happiness and the good life was built on a house of cards because when his wealth was gone, his friends disappeared. When his wealth was gone, the house of cards collapsed. And he was left in the pigsty with his head in his hands, wondering, where do I go from here? Where is the good life? I thought that was it. It was there at that moment that he begins his maybe repentance, and I suggest to you with this facet of the sermon, it is on revelation. All of a sudden, it's like the light bulb. You know those cartoons where the light bulb pops on above your head? It's like the light bulb pops on. And he realizes that his happiness was found at home with his family and his friends and his community and his responsibilities. And it was all free all along. And that's when he begins to return. If that's the way we look at this text today, we can all connect with it, all of us here, because implicit, as I said earlier, in our society and in each of our lives is the feeling that the good life is when we have enough security through money or money to spend. Then we will be happy. I'm getting closer to retirement, so I, can, I really can identify with this myself. Isn't it funny that once you hit retirement, then you worry about your physical health, okay? So the younger son is experiencing all this, and it's the same thing we experience. We're in the 21st century right now, and one of the biggest issues for the 21st century is the fact that we are becoming increasingly isolated and lonely one from another. We are people who 
have families spread out around the country and around the world. I mean, when we do a, a memorial service or a wedding, people are flying from all over the world to come to that service because people's families are spread out, leaving people isolated from family. People live in neighborhoods where neighbors don't socialize very much anymore at all. Hardly even know the names of our neighbors. Service clubs like Kiwanis or Rotaries are filled with people in their 70s and 80s. If you ever go to a Kiwanis club or a Rotary club, you don't see anybody in their 20s or 30s. They're all old people, and those service clubs, those connecting organizations are dying. I am absolutely convinced that the decline in the church and church membership is not because people don't believe or don't have a sense of connection with God. It's because they're not joiners anymore. We don't join together in community. We don't connect. We don't take the risk of being in relationship with one another. The very thing that the younger son discovered in his life was that it was relationship that was the centerpiece of the good life, relationship with his family, with his friends, with his community, and with his God. And it's something we're all losing today. I keep thinking of that younger son in the coloring book who is sitting cross-legged in the mud with his head in his hands with that sorrowful look on his face as a symbol for the future of our society. That's the direction we are going with people isolated from one another and sitting with head in hands. Unhappy and not living the good life. The story of the prodigal son is a story about sin and forgiveness, but it is also a story about loneliness and community. It is a story about finding the good life in things that are free. You've all heard that before, but none of us live it. Taking the effort of relationship with your family and your friends and your church community or your service club, taking the step out there to build those relationships takes a little bit of risks. It was risky for that prodigal son to return home. What if he's rejected? And so we protect ourselves in our <laughs> little pigsties or whatever it is because we're not sure we're going to be accepted. And when we all do that, we're all sitting by ourselves. Maybe that's what this story is about. If we interpret the story this way, it fits perfectly with the theme we have as a congregation this program year. That theme is count me in. And we left it rather ambiguous. What does that mean? Count me in. Well, we are a church with many programs. We have to have four Sundays to celebrate all the programs of our church. Very many ministries. We are a church of social justice. We reach out and we make a difference in the world. We are a church of education and learning. We strive to learn the Bible and theology, teach our adults and our children. It's a strength for us. We are a church of incredible, world-class level music and worship. We are known for that, but we are a church that in some ways is a little fragmented. Three worship services. We don't all know each other. We come here, and it's, for some of us, a wonderful community, but for other of us, it's just a quick check-in. 
during the week? What if it became a place where our friends were and we connected with one another in such a way that we're living the good life, that we're experience, experiencing just what that younger son was looking for? That's what count me in means. We want this place, Holy Spirit Lutheran Church, to be a place of social justice and learning and great music, great worship, but also a place that you can call home, coming home. It's a theme prevalent in our literature, in our movies. What did Dorothy say? There's no place like, what if this community became like that for all of us, where no one is left out? It is what you are all looking for. Me too. It can be found here. It can be found in your own family, your own neighborhoods. It can be found as you connect in service to the community around you. I watch you. <laughs> I watch how you volunteer and how you connect. I watch our social service outreach ministries that are celebrated today in the fellowship hall. All those ministries where you can volunteer your time, I watch people. I watch the knitters on Wednesday morning, these guys that come and volunteer their time. I watch the quilters. I watch the Sunday school teachers. I watch the social justice committee, the Lutheran Peace Fellowship group. I watch the refugee committee, the musicians who practice and all kinds of organizations. And not only do they do good work, they smile at one another. They develop friendships as part of their service, which is exactly as I said, what it means to live the good life. It's partly our future as a congregation to lift up Holy Spirit Lutheran. No place like home. Amen. Let us pray. Great and glorious God, we thank you for the prodigal son story, a story of sin and gracious forgiveness, but also a story of loneliness and community. Help this place, O oh Lord, be home for us, a place to connect with one another and with you. We thank you for your great love for us, O Lord, and we pray that we could share that love with one another. In Jesus' holy and most blessed name we pray. Amen. Page 8, please stand.